you know, I seem to get these ones that I'm like, when, when Pastor Donald asked me to speak, I'm like, really? Joy? Like, I, again, I don't feel like I'm a super joyful person. I'm a little bit more like Enneagram 8. I go hard. I go fast. I, like, lead strong. And joy is in the background. And, um, and so... So I, I remember like the the um, days of of Sunday school, and how many of you guys remember this song? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Come on. Yes. Come on, you know it. I, you're just getting joyful just singing that, aren't you? Because um, that is immediately the first thing that came to mind, is like my Sunday school days, I've got joy, joy down in my heart, and to be honest, I didn't even really know what that meant, but it was a great song in Sunday school. It was fantastic. And you know what? You know what? I, I think joy is so underrated. I think, you know, love gets all the, the talk and so does hope and then joy gets squeezed in there somewhere along, along the list, kind of like gentleness. And, and yet joy is talked about so much and it's part of God's heart for us. And so I just want to jump in and, and, and start talking about this. What's interesting to me is that, that joy is mentioned 400 times in the Bible. And I think sometimes we confuse it because our culture does not talk about joy that much. I don't know about you, but with my friends and stuff, we're not all talking about joy. But what we are talking about actually is happiness. How many of you um, hear the word happiness a lot in our world and in our culture and when it comes to our children? I think sometimes we can actually get confused. We can actually think that they're one in the same thing, but they're actually completely different. And so that's what I want to pull out today is last week we heard uh, for Pastor John um, in Philippians 4.4, 4, um, this was like a command. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And the word joy here, the Greek word that's used, this is the definition of that word. It actually says closely related to gladness and happiness. Although joy is more a state of being than it is an emotion, and it's a result of a choice. And so I want to just take a quick look. I made a little list as I was studying this. What is the difference between joy and happiness? Can we just take a little, little look? Um, I've written a list here of just some of the things that I found, and here's, here's, the, here's what joy is. Just by If you do a, like a Google search, these are some of the things that will start popping up for you. It says, given by the Holy Spirit. It's eternal and never and never ending. Joy is found in the literal sense in the knowledge and, or experience of God. Joy is internal. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. Joy is selfless. It is a choice. It's sacrificial. It's purely good because it comes from God. It's comforting. It's full of peace and contentment. And so let's take a look at happiness then. Happiness is something that a person pursues. Happiness is an outward expression. Happiness is something that can end once it's felt. It does not sustain. Happiness is external. It can sometimes only be for pleasure. It is achievable only here on earth. Can sometimes not necessarily be good. It's a feeling. Based off of circumstance, 
and achievement and can come and go. And so I think we have to fully understand the definition of joy in order to be able to talk about joy. Like, what is God's heart? And are we confusing? And has our world actually lost sight of God's heart when it comes to joy? And so I remember this moment for me where I thought I was experiencing joy. I was in grade 12, and my parents had promised that if I had um, gotten honors in grade 12, that I would get a car. Yeah. Where's my parents? They're in the room. You're going to be like, I wish they were my parents. Okay. Um, So grade 12, and you know what? I was a little bit of a brat in grade 12. I'm just going to say it. Um, And because I had just come back from... Um, this this canoe trip and it was like we were tired we were you know one of those ones where you're carrying the canoe and you're like doing like long days and and then we I came right out of that and we were supposed to go into um, this beautiful like trip to Fairmont and it was going to be so nice with my family and so but I was just tired I was cold and I'm tired and so I got in the car we're all packed up ready to go this is first thing in the morning and I'm, like, cozy down in the back of the car, you know, where there was no seatbelts in those days, and you could just, like, lay out. So that was me. And my dad, you know, like, every we're, we're all set to go. My dad is like, hey, we forgot something in the garage. Nicole, can you get out of the car and go get it? I'm like, Dad, I'm seriously, I want to be in the back of the car sleeping. Can't Josh go? Like, my brother. I'm like, can't, can't my sister go? Like, come on. And so he's like, no, you need to go. So he opens the garage like just a crack, and I'm like huffing and puffing, going to that garage like angry. I actually, he actually gave me something to put into the garage, and I threw it underneath as there was like a crack under there because I was so angry, and I like stomped back to the car, and as as he says, Nicole, turn around and look, the garage door opens, and in is my new car. I told you I was a brat, okay? I told you. I pre-warned you. And so, of course, you know, and there's actually, like, multiple cars because we were going with a few families, and they're all watching this take place. And some of them are in the room today, and they know I was a brat. So in that moment, I was experiencing happiness. In that moment, I was, like, over the top. Like, where I'm, I'm pulling out the car, test driving is, like, amazing. But, you know, eventually I just wanted to buy a new car. And so that's the definition. That's like the difference. You see the difference because joy is eternal and long-lasting. But happiness happens in a moment and can fade away. And how quickly we can lose happiness and lose sight of something bigger that God wants to do in us. You know, the world system and the world that we live in is always going to try to take what God has that's good and just take us off course a little bit. The enemy of our souls always loves to take truth and twist and distort and pervert it, even just slightly. And have we bought into a counterfeit lie? Have we bought into something that's just slightly off of what God truly wants to do in our hearts, deep, deep down, pursuing happiness over joy, something that's eternal over something superficial. In studying this, I found two articles, actually. One is a Forbes article, and it says, the top eight things people desperately desire but can't seem to attain, the number one thing is happiness. 
And here's what it says. Number one mentioned missing element that we feel in our lives is happiness. And it's become so hard to achieve and even so much harder to maintain. The second article that I found was Harvard Business Review article, and it says, this was the title, What You Were Taught About Happiness Isn't True. And here's what it goes on to say. It says, most of us are led to believe that happiness is our final destination, one that can be reached if we make the right choices, learn from our mistakes, and keep pushing forward. We're taught that once we find it, we'll be forever satisfied in our lives. And so we live feeling overwhelmed and inadequate, chasing the dream, never stopping to question if it is in fact flawed. Here's the summary that it says of this article. Most of us believe that if we can just tick a series of boxes, great job, fancy car, we will arrive at success and live happily ever after. But this is what the article finally says, but happiness isn't a destination. This is, just, this is just our world. These are like, you know, big, big pieces. You know, we live, I like to think like, you know, this picture of like a hamster that's like constantly running. And you know, that hamster just like gets on that wheel and it's like it doesn't know how to get off. It's constantly running to something that is like never reaching. A wholeness and a contentment that only God can fill. And yet we stay on this hamster wheel trying to make ourselves happy, trying to fill these holes in us that are never meant to be filled with what's in this world. Constant striving, constant achieving. You know, that wheel's exhausting. Let's come back to that scripture, Philippians 4, 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say it, rejoice. He does not say, always be happy. Nowhere does it say, always be happy, and as long as you're happy, there's no command in there that says that. And so I want to expose a lie today. Because sometimes you don't know you're living a lie until you actually expose it. Until you actually take some moments, and that's what we're here to do today. Holy Spirit, would you actually take layers off of our heart? Would you actually go a little bit deeper into us and actually make us become the people you want us to be? I don't want to just settle for living a lie for the rest of my life. I actually want to expose this lie. And so even as Christians, you know, sometimes we can get so familiar with the world that we live in that we actually become like the world we live in. And then we start doing the same thing that the world does. Think of how this lie actually impacts how we live how we spend our time, what we're striving for right now. How are we spending our money? How are we prioritizing the things that matter in our life? Wanting to be free, so free, because we think that's what's going to make us happy. You know, we even parent this way. The number one thing that parents say they want for their kids is not Jesus, but it's actually happiness. Come on, when did we start believing this lie? We chase the dreams, we chase the jobs, we chase the promotion, we chase the houses, we chase the car, and this is us two Christians. We buy into the lie every day that these are the things that are going to make us happy and fulfilled. If only I was this or that. If only I was here or there. If only I was more free. I would truly be able to be happy. 
God's goal is so much more for you. He doesn't want you to just be happy. That is a lesser goal and a lesser lie that you need to recognize in your heart that God wants to pull you out of today. You know, since Adam and Eve and all through history, we see it over and over. And Pastor John brought this up actually like a few messages ago with Adam and Eve and what even in the very beginning of the garden, they still didn't feel like they were happy and they had everything. In this culture that we live in, we're still trying to fill that same hole. And I think of the word and the, this moment, this season of Christmas, and I think we are such a, still such a weary world. That hamster wheel that we're trying to stay on, the striving. Oh, Jesus, we are weary. We need something different. And so would you just tune a little bit to his voice to you right now? Because I'm also here to share with you good news. I'm here to share with you that Christmas actually matters. I'm here to remind your heart of something greater and something bigger that was given to us in this season. And so here's the good news. Let's read 1 Peter 1, 3 to 12. Open up your Bibles if you want. Go ahead and take a look at the scripture. We're going to read it together. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change or decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for you all to see. So truly be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied. Even, even before Christmas, there was prophecies about Jesus. There was prophecies about how good he would be. So when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, which we live in now, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when they told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. Okay, last verse. Hang in there. They were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels were eagerly watching to see it happen. See it happen. There's a deep joy ache in every human soul. The joy that they're talking about, the joy that's everlasting, the joy that's eternal, 
it's actually just the most amazing thing called salvation. It is something that nothing can take away from. It is the grace and the love of knowing you need a savior. It is something that transforms your inside, your inside heart, and it becomes the joy of your salvation. That comes the anchor of our souls, the anchor of what we live off of, the anchor of who we are. Through every circumstance, nothing can take him away, forever not alone. I remember this moment in my life. I think I, you know, said the, said the prayer when I was in Sunday school at some time. But I remember when it became real for me. And I want to give you a moment to remember the moment that Jesus came into your life. What was it like? I still remember I was in a church service. And I remember... Um, the preacher, it felt like he was preaching just to me. And I remember the moment that I made the decision to have Jesus completely, like no turning back, to live for him. And I remember tears streaming down my face. Do you remember the moment of the joy of your salvation? Where you knew that God saw you and only you. And you needed a savior. That is what's supposed to be the anchor to your soul. That is where our joy deeply flows from. That is the reminder of your heart that no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens in this life, no matter trials or disappointments or failures, no feelings, ups and downs, anxiety or fear, the joy of my salvation will remain. Not just here on earth, but into um, eternity. And so here's three thoughts I want to leave you with on choosing joy today. Because joy is something that we choose. It's something that we actually choose to remind our hearts about every single day, every moment. When you feel like you're living by the ups and downs of happiness, the ups and downs about feelings, the ups and downs about circumstances. Here's number one. Choose joy in spending time in his presence. Psalm 16:11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand is pleasures forevermore. Do you feel like you've lost your joy? You can't lose it. You've just lost sight of it. You've gotten familiar with what's actually supposed to be the main strong point in your heart, in your life. Take moments every day to come in close to your Savior. Let him remind you of that moment where you knew he was real to you, where he had you no matter what. How are you making room for him right now? How are you choosing him? Because in his presence, you'll be reminded of joy, the joy of your salvation. Number two, choose joy and surrender. Choosing joy over happiness daily. Choosing joy over circumstance. Feeling the feeling, but not staying in the feelings. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, just hide your feelings. No, moments after moments, we see in the Bible beautiful examples of people just saying, hey, this is what it feels like right now. I'm in prison. I'm, I'm this. I've got that. And yet I choose joy. And so what are you facing right now that's trying to steal your joy? 
What do you need to actually look at and say, hey, I'm going to choose joy in the middle of it. I want you to take a look at this beautiful example with me in 2 Corinthians 6, 3 to 10. Here's what it says. I'm going to read really fast. It says, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles, hardships, and calamities of every kind. Okay, you want to talk about calamities and things that can steal your joy? Here we go. Here's the list that they've lived through. We have been beaten. We have been put in prison. We have faced angry mobs. We've worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity and our understanding, our patience and our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us. And by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always, come on, here's the line. Some of you need to put this as your chant this week. But we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Come on. What do you need to add to that list? What are you facing? What is trying to take away what God has done in your heart and something that nobody on this earth can take away from you? In all things, we get to choose the joy of our salvation. We get to choose Jesus. We get to choose him in our heart, deep, deep down in our heart, that nothing we face. I don't care what they try to do to you. I don't care what you're facing right now. I do care. But, you know, um, but, but, but Jesus is in it. And so number three. Choose joy by growing in it and practicing it. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And I'm sure you've heard this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's a beautiful quote I found. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It is expected of Christians because it is the natural result of having received salvation. The joy comes on account of what Christ has done. Not what we're going through, not, not all of the stuff. Irrelevant of whatever other circumstances are happening in one's life. Joy is a fruit. Joy is something that's produced. It's something that actually takes the work of reminding your heart and staying in your salvation, staying in what you're saved from, staying in Jesus, staying in his presence, staying in and rooted, not in happiness, but in something deeper and richer and more beautiful. The Holy Spirit comes alive in us as we make the decision to have him a part of our life. And he becomes our witness to remind our hearts, hey, it's not so bad. Hey, it's going to be okay. 
He reminds us of what we are saved from. He reminds us that actually this is going to take work. Because you know what? Fruit actually takes work to come out in our lives. And it actually means that we have to practice it, even when we don't feel like it. I wanted to tell you today that, you know, being a Christian is just really easy and wonderful all the time. But you are about to step into Christmas. You're about to step into some, like, interesting situations with people. You're about to step into um, some major fights between siblings. You're about to step into turkeys not working out how you planned and dropping on the floor. You are about to step into all of the things. How do we practice joy? How do you remind yourself of his presence before you even step into spaces like that so that you can practice and choose it in the moment, even when it doesn't feel like it? Choosing joy no matter what the room feels like, no matter how it is, and no matter what goes wrong. And here's what I want to close with. Because I just love Jesus. I love his beautiful example to us. And here's, here's our Savior and how he leads us and how he speaks to our hearts. In Hebrews 12, 2, here's what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know. Our Savior had joy when he saw you. When he's about to go die on the cross, doesn't say anything else that he had, but he had joy. He saw you. And he said, I'm going to choose joy. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to choose joy. So here's my question for you this week. Where do you need to choose joy? What's been robbing you of living how you were meant to live here on earth? What's holding you back? And my homework for you and the Holy Spirit together is to create some space to allow him to speak to your heart and maybe pull out some of those lies. Have you been living in the rat race and are feeling exhausted? Trying to live to be happy and you know you need something more. A weary world. We still need Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me?